We find it uh, exciting to be able to sing a song about our future, right? It's pretty nice, isn't it? To sing a song and to know the song is right, it's about our future. Welcome to each of you here tonight, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for your presence and for this opportunity to be able to worship God together uh, in song and in all of our worship service. Let's, uh, let's pray to God, please. Heavenly Father, In the beginning, you created the heavens and the earth, the Godhead. And we are so eternally grateful and thankful for the magnificence and the power that that you displayed. And as we strive to serve you, we pray, Lord God, that you'll bless us to remember that, that foundation, that, Lord God, you are in control of all things. We ask that you'll bless us tonight to help us to be in control of our own faculties, that we will focus on you and that this hour of worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, that Jesus may be lifted up in our hearts and our minds and that our faith may grow just a bit, enough to keep us going for the week, to stay faithful and true to you, to fight the good fight of faith and to hold fast to our confidence in you. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. We're going to the book of James. We're going to flip-flop. James to Matthew, James to Matthew, and we may step outside of Matthew once or twice, but we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, but we're really going to look at it through the eyes of James, right? James, the brother of the Lord, who was at one time, remember we talked about this, not a believer, and then he he grew to become a believer in Christ. And he took the words of Jesus to heart. So here he preaches to us, teaches us about the message of Jesus. What did Jesus say to us? So we start out with uh, comparisons. Uh, We start out with the thought of asking. Asking God for wisdom, for an understanding of life. Sometimes life, we know it, it's hard. And we want to know. And so James says, if you really want to know, just ask. James 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. He's writing to a people who are persecuted. And so he's saying, okay, are you wondering about the persecution? Just ask. And you say, well, well, why are we being persecuted? And, and why is Rome in power? And why won't God? And when you start wondering about those things, James says, just ask. Ask God to give you a wisdom or an understanding uh, through his wisdom. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And remember the context. The context is people who are suffering. Right? And so ask God, and God will give you wisdom to help you to see things that maybe we uh, have missed or do not see. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So God says, look, let's turn to Matthew 7, please. I want you to ask, but if you're not asking with faith, I'm not going to give you the answer. You're not ready for it yet. Oh, okay. So Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, comes off of, of the idea of judging and all the problems of life, the cure for anxiety, right? He says, here's the cure for anxiety. It's in God, 
And then he goes all the way in that, into that, that lesson and carries it right down into verse 7 of chapter 7. And he says, ask. <laughs> ask. Ask God. Ask. And it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it shall be open and and sometimes i wonder do we believe that (laughs) if you ask god will give us the answer right he'll give us an understanding he'll give us the wisdom that we need to continue to stay faithful to him all the way into the end but we have to ask right second thought as you're going through trials Part of the asking through the context of James, as well as here in Matthew, is I'm going through a trial, and I, I, I would like to have some, some answers to help me to stay faithful to you, dear God. Well, prioritizing, or should I say, having the proper perspective. Let me say it in that way. Having the proper perspective of life. Where did all the bad stuff come from? And I mentioned this many times here, right? Where did all the bad stuff come from? Two places. Me and Satan, Right? I don't always want to admit it's me, but it's me, right? My bad choices, situations, et cetera, et cetera. Look, it's, it's in perspective in Matthew 7. Jesus says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and to him who knocks, or excuse me, seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it shall be open. And what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he would not give him a snake, will he? And then there's the comparison in verse 11 between humans and God. And it says, if you then, being evil, well, he wasn't talking about me when he said that, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. So if you, being evil, as good as I thought I was for giving this particular gift, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? him ask right and then keep things in the proper perspective god is the giver of good gifts it comes from god someone says well you know i read let's turn back to james please chapter one i've read in the old testament where god brought calamity on on a person etc etc and then that's a whole nother subject of sowing and reaping isn't it right that was a law that god established in genesis chapter one whatever you sow you reap Right? So if you sow it, it's going to come back to you. So I- I Israel and, and Judah sowed evil, evil came back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the way it works. That's called life. It's the way God set up the laws of nature. But all the good gifts come from God. So you sow good and righteousness, good to come. We sow bad and evil, wickedness is going to come. But all the good stuff comes from God. Verse 17 of James chapter 1. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. The fact that God is consistent in everything that he does. And it's always good. It's always good. Well, we believe that. Jesus said it. James reiterated it. Then he talks about life. Right? Um, as Christians, what does God expect us to do? So James 1, in verse 22. He wants us to hear the word, but then do something about it. Right? Verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. God says, I need you to be not just a hearer, Matthew 7, please, but a doer of God's word. Listen, hear it, do it. Right? Listen, hear it, do it. And Jesus said the exact same thing. Right? Verse 24. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded upon a rock. Hear it and do it. Right? Do the work and the will of God. Alright, part of that means we have to go against the grain, don't we? You know, we have to go against the flow of the world. Part of that means we have to love some people that are hard to love. (laughs) Jesus said that, right? Matthew 7 and verse 12. He says, uh, therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Someone said, well, can you summarize the whole Old Testament? Yeah, right here. Matthew 7 and verse 12. This is the law and the prophets. This is what God wanted Israel and Judah to learn and practice. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So you read the whole Old Testament now with a different spin. Now you go back to Genesis and you start reading from chapter 1 and keep thinking about the principal thought. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. And then as you get through reading the law and you read all the actions of Israel and all the things that were going on, you learn that that's exactly what God was trying to teach, not just Israel, but the whole world. Look at Matthew 22. And what is linked to this is loving our neighbors as well, right? Loving our neighbors as ourselves. Matthew 22 in verse 39. The greatest commandment and then the second The second is like the first. You're loving God, but now God says, and later in some other places, you can't love God if you don't, whom you cannot see, right? And then and claim that you don't love your fellow man. You you can't you can't hate your fellow man and love God. It's an impossibility, right? Oh, if our if our our, the world would learn that, if we would learn that, right? When we look at each other in the eyes of one another. The, the second is like the first. The second, in verse uh, 39, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in James uh, chapter 2, he deals with the issue within the congregation. You know, imagine their issue. You got a poor man who is faithful. He loves the Lord. Maybe he's an elder in the Lord's church, right? Or, or maybe he's the preacher or, or maybe he's just, I don't know, he's a faithful brother in Christ. He's a deacon. He's, he's, he's someone that loves his wife and he honors God and all these wonderful things. And, and he's a man of honor and integrity, blameless, like Job and upright. And he comes to worship and he's always here. He doesn't have very much to give, but he gives himself. So he gave his all, right? And then some rich man comes in. Well, you don't even know, right? Yeah, he's a brother in Christ, and he comes in, and he's got some, some prestige and a little bit of money in his pocket. 
And you go to that honorable man. And you say, hey, do me a favor. Can you get up? Um, give this fellow here your seat. You sit in the back somewhere or on the floor. We, we, we need to use, we need your seat. And James says, shame on you, church. Right? That detestable thing in the eyes of God, money. Shame on you, church. Right? That's what he says. So chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves, you are doing well. And the problem is, they were showing partiality, and that was wrong of them, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. James chapter 3. And if you lack wisdom, ask God. James 3, verse 11. Does a fountain send forth or out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Okay? So what's he talking about? Our fruits. What kind of fruit am I bearing? Right? Can't, can't have both. Got to choose God or choose... Right? You can't have man and God. You gotta, we have to make that choice. And James is talking about the tongue, and he's saying, look, um, when you're speaking with your mouth and you're uttering words, there's, there's an impossibility for you to, to have. You can't have both, right? And then verse 17, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so, our fruit, what kind of fruit am I bearing? That fruit will tell you what you need to know, right? About a situation or an individual. Look at the fruits that they're bearing. A good tree. Well, let's listen to Jesus. Matthew chapter 7. We'll listen to Jesus talk about the fruit. And he says that, verse 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, how will you know? He says, well, you'll know them by their fruits. Just watch what they do. Listen to what they say. Verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. Are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce Good fruit, so, yeah, believe your eyes and your ears, right? Someone walks in here, it doesn't matter what their, their social status may be, and if they have bad fruit and you need to mark them as a person with bad fruit, be careful is all it is. Just be careful around that individual. It may be out to destroy you. Listen to what he goes on to say in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Jesus is talking about then the fruit of peacemaking, Right? We should all be peacemakers. We should do everything um, with, with the mindset of trying to make peace, right? The idea at the end of the day is that we all get to go to heaven. So we work our hardest and our best at making peace. Matthew 5 and verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Because peacemakers are called sons of God. And so being a peacemaker is a godly thing. It's a good thing. It's the right thing. And it's a fruit, the same fruit we read a moment ago in James 3, uh, in verse 18, he talked about the fruit of being a peacemaker. 
He says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I guess the question that I ask myself is, what kind of fruit am I bearing? And as, as you are fruit inspectors, right? David Wallace told me that one. Well, a pretty good fruit inspector. Um, what kind of fruit? You know, when you look at me as a tree, what kind of fruit am I bearing? It's a great question. It's a question I can ask of myself, right? I can do my, take my own inventory, inventory of myself from the neck up, right? Figure out who I am and what am I doing uh, for the Lord and for his church. Now, we've been talking about judging, but can we leave James without talking about judging? Well, no, he can't because James is really on that subject. Chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? And notice what he says about the motive, right? It was evil. It wasn't, it wasn't just that the action was evil. The motive behind it was evil as well. Because obviously you have a special thing in your mind, maybe the attitude of what can I get from that person for being kind or doing this or doing that. Look at chapter 4, James 4 and verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But you judge the law. If you judge the law, excuse me, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. So the question that we've been asking over and over again is, does God need more judges or does he need more doers? I think he needs to do it, right? The doer. Uh, we used to say, you, you've heard it. Oh, go, go back to Matthew, please. Chapter 7. Um, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Right? So the work never gets done. Everybody wants to be the boss, right? It's just, why worry about who's being the boss? Let's just do it, right? We're doing it for the Lord. He's the boss. Life is so much easier when we allow God to lead, right? Uh, do not judge, verse 1, lest you be judged. Verse 1. Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And that, and that would be a really tough day on judgment when you, you got so many things right in the Lord and, and God's grace is going to take care of you. But then God says, I got I one, thing, I one thing against you. What, what, what is that, Lord? He says, you know... You're really hard on people. But, but then when someone was hard on you, you, you became offended and, and irritated and agitated. and You, you, were, you were mean. And not, why were you that way? And then he starts talking about that measuring rod. And that's scary, right? We have to just learn to have more patience and tolerance with uh, each other and working, working for the Lord. Matthew 6 and verse 19. Let's close with this. With this. No, we're not closing yet. We're almost. We're getting there. But let's do... Um, we're thinking about, in our mind, we're thinking about this. What or where are your treasures? Right? What or where are your treasures? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 
Verse 19. Do not. When you go through the Bible, old and new, and you read do not, that's just a red flag, right? You ever, you ever done that? You ever gone through? I used to, I, I, I uh, put together a lesson as I was studying and I put together every do not I found in the Bible. Do not, do not, do not, do not. Okay, let's start right there. <laughs> start with those. Do not do this, do not do that, do not. Pretty good rule to follow. So, God says, we're only going to be here for a little while, right? You know, if you ever, I know that I've, I'm saying things now that I used to hear um, older folks say, time sure flies. <laughs> Tell your children grow up and then life happens. It's like, wow, sure flies. Yeah, it does. Right? So then why build up, if you will, the treasures on earth? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Just, and God's question to us, well, why, why are you doing that? How long do you plan on being here? I mean, God's not saying not to be wise with your money. We're not talking about that. But he says, just don't do that. And then verse 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves, ah, here we go, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. In other words, what you put into Christ can never be taken away. Right? When you put into Christ, your relationship, when you put into God, can never be taken away. So Romans 8 comes in. Persecution, trials, all those things that he mentioned, none of that can be taken away. Nothing can stand between you and your God. The question is, what are you putting in? What are you sowing that you might reap? But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right? So where's my heart? Well, let's, let's take a look at your treasures. Right? James talks about the same thing. James uh, chapter 5. The same concept, the same idea. Do not store up treasures on the earth because... They're going to go away anyway, right? Can't take it with you, right? How many times have you seen this? You look down the, the road and you see this long procession, and it, the long procession is behind a hearse. There's never a U-Haul truck behind it, right? <laughs> You're not taking nothing with you, right? No way. That person who's deceased goes alone, right? Stands before God. James 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted. And their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, here's, here's information. The pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Hmm. They were withholding the poor man's pay? There's something wrong with us, church. These are church members. <laughs> Why would they do that? 
Don't store up treasures on earth. James 2 and verse 6. Make sure that this is not all that you are about, right? That's what he's telling us. Make sure that you are willing to share your resources. James 2 and verse 6. But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you in the court? And that's amazing too, isn't it? Withholding their pay, taking the court because they didn't do... I mean, what is going on? When you store up your treasures on earth, you'll find that we'll do things that are unbecoming a Christian. Matthew chapter 6, please, in verse 24. And then one more thought, and I will uh, end this lesson. Matthew chapter 6, in verse 24. So here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount regarding money. No one can serve two masters. For he will either love the one or hate the one. But he's got to make a choice. Either going to love the one or hate the one. So I, do I love the world? And if I love the world, I can't hold on to God, can I? Not like I'm supposed to. And if I... But I'm not going to say I hate God. I would never say that. Would, would you say, no, no. But I do love this one more than I love God. So to love and love less, right? Do I love God more and I love the world less? So that God is never uh, forsaken for the world. The world always takes whatever place that might be after God. No one can serve two masters for Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he's going to despise one and, and hold the other. I, I know I mixed it up on purpose. I'll make sure you pay attention. Right? You despise the one and hold. So what am I, am I holding God and despising that which pulls me away from Christ? Or am I holding that which is pulling me from Christ and despising God. But I would never say that I'm despising God, but if you're inspecting your own fruit, you'll have the answer, won't you? All of us will. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. For this reason, For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life. As to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? I don't know. Is it? Supposed to be, right? Supposed to be. Life is more than the material. Material is all going to burn up and it's all fading away. Finally, let your let your yes be yes. Every New Year's there's a Matthew five. Um, you know, people go through the vows. They're gonna make a vow. It's not even necessary. Just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Right? Just be a doer. Just just do it, right? And you don't have to wait until 
January 1st to say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Do it. Just do it now. Right? Today's a good day. Verse 34 of Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Let me tell you, I remember growing up and, and using those words. How about you? Oh, I, oh just what is Thank you, God, I was ignorant. Make no oath. He goes on in verse 35. Or by the earth, for it is a footstool of his feet. Or by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is... Really, is it? Is it really? I mean, God says it is, but is it of evil? Yeah, it is. Right? God says it is. God wants His people to just simply be doers. Right? Just, just go do it. And finally, James five, the Sermon on the Mount, in verse twelve. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Sad part, brethren, is that this problem um, in those days when the Christians were being persecuted, they'd want you to take an oath. That Domitian was your Lord. Or Nero was your God. Or else you die on the spot. So many of our brethren died simply because they refused to make that oath of evil. God wants us just, just be doers. Right? The lesson is yours tonight. If there's something said to encourage you, I thank God for that. If you like prayers made on your behalf, great opportunity has been granted to us. If you're not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. Today is the day of salvation. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.